And hello everybody, it is Saturday night, August the 7th, year 2010. I'm Walton Hughes, and we'll be calling Patricia here really soon. But first, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful station. Bless all the listeners and supporters. Help everybody stay cool throughout the country. Uh, bless us as we start to think back what the ending of World War II had meant to the country and the world. Uh, we're getting very close to the commemorations of that, the 65th anniversary. We bless all our allies, our soldiers who fought and died for the country so many years ago. We ask the blessings upon their family and them. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, let me give Patricia a call and we'll start the show. Radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And today we are celebrating ours, the 40th anniversary of broadcasting, entertainment, news, sports, and information to the people of the Pacific Coast from San Francisco. It was in 1922 that KNBC, then known as KPO, began program service. Many famous entertainers and many historic events were beamed out over the airways during our 40 years of broadcasting. In 1951, when the NBC radio network was celebrating its 25th anniversary, the then popular comedy team of Fibber McGee and Molly did a special broadcast that eavesdropped on some of the great shows of radio. Since then, Molly Jordan has passed on and Fibber is living in retirement in Encino, California. Twelve years have slipped by since Fibber McGee and Molly's 25th anniversary salute to NBC and that broadcast is in itself a collector's item. Tonight is one of the highlights of KNBC's 40th anniversary celebration. We will revive that famous broadcast of Fibber McGee and Molly, during which you will hear the voices of Joe Penner, Fred Allen, Ben Burney, W.C. Fields, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, and many, many other favorites from out of the past, starring Fibber McGee and Molly. Our Silver Jubilee, the 25th birthday of the National Broadcasting Company. Like any birthday, the birthday of NBC is a time for reflection and recollection. Were you listening to Ed Wynn at 9.30 on a Tuesday night in 1932? At 7 o'clock on a Wednesday evening in 1929, were you listening to Amos and Andy? Or were you listening to Rudy Valley's Great Variety Show at 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening in 1934? Ah, oh, these were great moments in the history of NBC, and ordinarily it would be impossible to relive them. But we are fortunate in having had with us for the past 20 years a man to whom nothing is impossible. I refer, of course, to the resident of 79 Wistful Vista, Molly's husband, Fibber McGee. As we look in on the McGees, Fibber is tinkering with his old 1926 super heterodyne radio set. He is, in fact, known as the biggest tinker in radio. Mrs. McGee makes a fairly safe statement. She says... It'll never work, McGee. What do you mean it'll never work? My gosh, Molly. Let me get this straight again. Huh? You claim that you can fix this radio set so it'll tune in programs that were broadcast 20 years ago? 25 years ago, even. I'm rewiring it so I can tune it to different years instead of different stations, you see? No, I don't. Well, look, Tootsie. According to the McGee theory of radio dianetics, which I'm the guy that thought it up, I claim that when you hear a broadcast once, that ain't necessarily the end of it, you see? It don't just disappear. 
In other words, old radio programs never die. <laughs> I know one that dies every Tuesday night. Well, that ain't what I mean. I mean, they're still out there, bouncing around in the air, waiting for somebody to tune them in again. And I'm the guy that can do it. What's our congressman's phone number? Why? Well, if there isn't a law against that, I'll help him write one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you change your mind when I get this baby working, Molly. We can make a few more adjustments here. Get the king bolt tightened up a little bit. I'll be ready to try it. And... You want to buy a duck? No, I'm not interested in any poultry, bud. I'm trying to... Hey, who said that? Why, I don't know, McGee. There's nobody here but us. I'm going to turn off the radio, will you, Molly, while I work on this? Radio? Hey, the radio. It's working. You hear it, Molly? It works. Hush, listen. My goodness, it sounds like New Year's Eve, McGee. I wonder where that... Boy, oh, boy, I told you I could make it work, and... You McGee, that, that's Joe Penner. Why, he used to be one Listen, of... Elsa. Remember him? Ben Burney? Oh, yes. I used to love him. Smart of time. Everybody wants to get into the act. My God. Tony Wan. <laughs> oh, McGee, that's Jimmy Durante. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Durante. Boy, this is wonderful. Gee whiz, I can tune in any program I want. Hush a minute, hush. Let's listen to this one first. What year now are we listening to? I can't tell yet. The dates are all scrambled up on the dial here, but I can fix that. And my name, darling, is Lula Bankhead. You hear that? I got Congress, Senator Bankhead. No, no, that got is... Got a deep voice on him, hasn't he? No, McGee, that was... Shh. My goodness, this is exciting, McGee. Can you tune in just any program you want to hear? Anything back to 1926. That's when the first big network started. NBC in 1926. Oh? That's when we bought this old Super Hetzerdine, remember? Oh, do I remember. Yeah. You lugged this thing home, strung about 200 feet of aerial around the roof, plugged it in, turned it on, and blew out fuses that we didn't even know we had. Yeah, but remember the first program we ever heard on it? There was a, a band out, out in Kansas City. Oh, yes. The Nighthawks. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Coon Sanders and their Kansas City Nighthawks. Yeah. Wait till I tune this. The year 1926. There. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pat Kelly greeting you from Kansas City, where NBC is presenting the Coon Sanders Nighthawks Orchestra. Oh, that's it, McGee. That's them. Relax and enjoy yourselves now while the Coon Sanders Nighthawks go to work on some of these days. I told you this baby would work, kiddo. <laughs> boy, oh boy, is this ever jazzy. Wonderful. Listen to that break. Terrific.
this nostalgic, McGee. Yeah. Brings back a lot of memories, too. Remember the night we put this radio out on the front porch and threw a block party for the neighbors? Oh, wasn't that fun? <laughs> we put up ropes and danced in the street. You did a pretty sharp Charleston, too. Yeah, I'd have done even better if the street had been paved. Gravel kept getting in my shoes. I had a new dress for that night, remember? <laughs> it was trimmed with monkey fur and had a hemline just below my knees. That must have been around uh, 1928, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when it was, around election time. Big argument broke out about Al Smith and Hoover. Yes, and you tried to explain to me which one would make the best president. Only you weren't sure yourself, and... Wait, listen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Amos and Andy would like to say a few words to their listeners. Listen, Amos, you don't know politics like I do. Uh, tell me this, though. Uh, why can't they have a Democrat and a Republican president at the same time? Let Hoover be president for one week and Al Smith be president for next week, you see. Ain't no use to have no hard feelings. Amos, the president of the country, don't have nothing to do now. The trouble with that is the Republican would get everything messed up for the Democrat and vice versa. And what? Vice versa. He ain't running, is he? Who ain't running? Bryce Vizzes. I didn't say Bryce Vizzes. I said Vice Vizzes. Is he a Democrat or a Republican? Uh-oh. Listen, Amos, the farm situation. You take the Hogan-McDarry bill. Take it where? Take it anywhere. What is I going to do with it? That is the question. It was vetoed. It was? And not only that, the farmers are so mad about the Hogan-McDarry bill being vetoed Today is liable to elect the candidate for the vice president, president. Well, what do Coolidge say about all this? He do not choose. Maybe his wife made him stop doing that. The thing we has got to do, Amos, is to make up our minds if we is going to be Republican or Democrat. I believe I'll be a Democrat. Well, I'm going to be a Republican. You go ahead, be a Democrat. You is crazy. You was all right, ain't you? Certainly I was all right. Then I'm glad I was crazy. You know, that's the clearest explanation I've ever heard, McGee. Oh, that's about the way I explained it to you at the time, Molly. Them guys just simplified it a little and... Tune in some more. Go ahead. Get some music. Okay. Remember the music appreciation hour? Oh, Spike Jones, sure. <laughs> Let me see if I can get that. I'd like to hear that. No, no, that was Walter Damrosch, McGee. Watch your language. You know, he always used to open up with... Good morning, my dear children. I've had no chance before, so if it's not too late, let me wish you a happy new year. And may it bring you lots of music and a greater and greater affection for it so that you really become music lovers. Hey, you do a good imitation, Molly. Sounded just like... Oh, that was him. I didn't realize you were tuning the set yourself and you could... Oh. Listen. Oh. And there we go, everybody. We're here. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Alden. How are you doing? And what kind of a week did you have? Hi, everybody. First of all, important stuff. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. I can't believe it's here already. I had to go to the computer and check, make sure it was Saturday. I was hoping it would say Friday. But <laughs> I ran out of days again this week. How did you do? I actually, that's what happened to the Brazil when I called him last night. You know, I talked talk to him on Thursday. Huh? And then I called him just before the show. And they said, uh, Bobby said, Walden. Yes. I was I thought it was Thursday. I was waiting for the sh- you know for her to help to come, and it didn't come. I looked in the calendar. I realized it was Friday. Um, <sighs> I'm so glad I'm not the only. Yeah, you're not. 
if you don't know what day of the week this is, folks, you can give us a call, 714-545-2071, and let us know. I'm doing fine, Patricia. I'm just plugging away on umpteen million little projects, you know, just keep myself busy, as you know, you know, as, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I am totally blessed, everybody, that I am not bored. You know, that's one thing about I am, I'm just a busy little beaver. You know, many times I'm just, you know, creating little ideas and things in my bedroom and pick up the phone and whammo. You know. And I have to tell everybody, as long as you are in my life, I have nothing boring. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I go, phew, this is good. I've got all my homework finished. Who's on the phone? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have been busy, though. You've got an awful lot of projects going at the same time. Uh, I, 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 and Typical, be, but you're overboard this time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we are good, and I hope everybody... Um, no, what I've been doing is um, preparing a lot for next weekend. Um, you know, we're getting close to the anniversary of VJ Day. And this weekend, I'm playing the stuff that we heard our, M- our WEAF out in New York. And then I've had that for several years in my collection. And that's pretty much NBC. But I got thinking, you know, Walden, what about other shows on the other networks and things that we don't have part, you know, to sort of look back upon um, VJ Day? And a lot of these shows I've been picking up over the last month or so. Shows I never have ever heard before. Episodes and things. And so, it's, for me, as a history buff slash radio buff, it's a fun to hear what America was sort of waiting for. Mm-hmm. And, for example, uh, next Friday, everybody, you'll get to hear a show called Double or Nothing, which was a quiz show, on August 12th. And they broke in to announce the war is over. Flash, the war is over. The Japanese had surrendered. In five minutes, they, another flash came, hold that story. You know, just think, just think. You're, you're hearing live historical things. And this was like, you know, this was a Sunday night, everybody, and the Japanese didn't officially surrender until that Tuesday. So to me, it's been just an interesting time to go through and kind of compile and do different things just to make the show halfway interesting. So that's what I've been doing all week, Patricia. What about you? I've been working to keep up with you, (laughs) (laughs) and that's the truth. Yeah. It has just been um, one of those busy weeks, and again, you know, I get to the end of the week. I mean, I know I had a lot of of out-of-house appointments and... um, The normal stuff you got to take care of of the week. Yeah, and some work in between. Um, one must earn a living. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Somebody getting paid! Hooray! If not dinner, we must have lunch on the table. But I did find some interesting things that I think are interesting, some of them for next week. And it, I'm smiling as you're telling me about the announcement that they had to rescind. Yeah. I don't know which stage. I have a mutual. That's what it is. It's um, a mutual, just a 50-second one. 50 seconds, not 52nd Street. 50 seconds, less than a minute, of an announcement that came in from United Press International that they were broadcasting or did broadcast on Mutual, 
and they were all probably a half to two-thirds through the 50 seconds when somebody said, wait a minute, you know, it's not official, it's not official yet, but stay tuned, it's not official yet. <laughs> so it, it was, I guess, happening in many different sectors that they heard it had happened, but it was not officially released. So they couldn't say it was an official announcement. But yep. I'm, I'm hearing things. See, you know, you're sending me out, and I'm learning all of these things, Walden. I don't I, have time to learn all. Of <laughs> you gotta put you gotta put peanut butter and jelly on the table. That's what I have for dinner. <laughs> what I need to do is make peanut butter and jelly, and then do you know while I'm eating peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> but I did find, and you probably have it already, but. It was interesting to me. I found the statement by President Truman on August 6, 1945. It was 16 hours ago. American, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima, and it is, um, it, it's just an extraordinarily long speech that he made about this. But what was so interesting to me, and with, if we have time later, I'd like to read a couple of pieces in here. Instead of talking or concentrating on the war end of what was happening with a bomb of that magnitude, he started talking about using atomic energy in place of coal mm -hmm. and um, how many people will be working on this as a source of energy. I mean, it was just such a right turn from the catastrophe that he had started to address, and it, it just, it took me by surprise. It jolted me when I read all the way through, and what I've done is yellow highlight a couple of salient places that I'd like to read later um, that just, you know, <laughs> it really took, I keep saying it took me by surprise. It did take me by surprise to have something of that magnitude be sandwiched in with what we would consider an energy pep talk. You know, it was fascinating, um, and you might get a kick out of this, Patricia. One of the early Jack Armstrong shows we have is from, uh, I think, September the 30th, 1940. And this, is, this is one of the early ones that starts this uh, long six-month run that we have. Uh -huh. And that opening episode, they're visiting Jack, Billy, and Betty are visiting Uncle Jim, and they're talking about trying to split the atom and the energy that nuclear energy would provide America if they could ever split the atom. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, considering they were talking about that concept on radio before World War Two. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, of course, the war was raging in Europe. It was right. in war at the time. And Germany was working very hard to accomplish this, so it was not a new concept, but it's surprising that it would reach radio yeah. and especially be written into scripts. Especially in a kid's show. In a kid's show, what is... On top of it, yeah. You know, that's one thing interesting about the Jack Armstrong. You read about the history of the Jack Armstrong. They protected that show a lot. They had psychiatrists on the review, the writing review uh, script really? panel. Because they knew they were gearing for children, and they wanted to make sure the content was appropriate. They wanted to make sure it could be factual, you know, things like that, and it wouldn't exploit uh, children. And so they had that kind of writing review panel uh, on scripts. I remember reading that in Dunning's book about it. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> Dunning's book is... Um, it looks kind of intimidating because it weighs a lot. It, 
ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I mean, it sits here, and it's got its own place on. Uh, I told you I file on the floor. I've got, you know, this is my to be done. This is what has to be mailed out. This is it. And Dunning always perches on top of whatever is closest to me. <laughs> and he does have some extraordinary information in here. A lot of the shows, because they're not, um, they're not well known. They're not highly visible, and sometimes they're not even available. Uh, some of the listings are very short, but. Others, I mean, he just gives pages of information and historical data that is amazing, and he had it all in his head. Yeah. I, it's intimidating <laughs> from a lot of standpoints. You know, I don't know how, how one person's brain or how one brain can have that many filing cabinets in it, but he does. Uh, wonderful. A, a wonderful gift for us who love radio. Yes, and it's a wonderful gift of a book. We are coming up the autumn sale time at Oxford University Press, O-U-P dot com. I know I have to go check because <laughs> of EDU, some of the, um, Oxford University. Anyway, John Dunning's book is traditionally held um, on sale. It, it's one of the sale items and one the um, university press, I'm typing and talking at the same time. I ought to know better than that. Well, let me give a heads up. For people who love books, uh, uh-huh. um, I record our friend Martin Graham, and I'll be playing his upcoming spot in August sometime here in August. But one thing he gave me the heads up in November, he's clearing out his files. And a lot of time, he's had two copies of every book, especially from McFarland. Uh-huh. And so on his website in November, everybody, he's going to cut these books more than half price. Wow. And put them up there. So if there's a McFarland title you're thinking about, uh, Good Camp Martin will be putting a lot of those up on sale on his website in November. Mm-hmm. So those, those of you, and I mean, McFarland's not cheap, everybody. So if you're looking to pick up, if there's an interesting title on there, if you're looking to pick up a good deal, that might be something to think about. Just circle on your calendar in November. And if you get Christmas money. Yes. Or you expect Christmas money. Yep. Here is the best $25 you will ever spend. John Dunning's book usually goes in the $75 range. And during the autumn sales, if they choose his book to be on sale again, it will be $25 which is just extraordinary. I waited until autumn, and I got this wonderful compendium for $25, and it is Oxford University Press. It's www. You don't even have to type that in. It's O-U-P, just the initials, Oxford University Press, OUP.com. And when you get to that site, it'll ask you if you want to go to the United States, if you want to go to Europe, you just click on the United States. And all of this wonderful stuff comes up. Now, they've got opportunities for you to sign up for newsletters, for helpful hints, emails, uh, grammar and punctuation and philosophy. And also, you will receive an email that alerts you to the quarterly sales. And they'll give you a code word, uh, you know, password, mm-hmm. that will allow you to get into the sales and, and look at the special items that they've got. And it's, I mean, even if you don't buy anything, it's like going to a toy store. <laughs> well, so like, you know, for me, as a kid, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Uh, getting the Sears catalog in the mail was always a treat because you could lay on the floor and just thumb through that and look at all those pictures. You had your own Let's Pretend. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, my mom still does that today. When I'm sitting, when I'm sitting, if we're having dinner, she sit uh, after we had dinner, if I hear... Oh no! She's just no. Th- she's just thumbing through catalogs. She loves to sit there. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me she was tearing out pages. No, <laughs> she just loves to thumb through cat and and just move them really fast. So that's why for me. I I have to tell you, I do the same thing. I know I'm not going to buy something. I don't even know what this store is, but if they send me a catalog, and I'm doing something, especially in the kitchen, I'll put it on the counter and I'll you know I'll keep an eye on a pot or something and go. <laughs> just like your mom <laughs> went through and see what they're selling this year. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Here are just some of the titles that are at Oxford University Press. I'm on a hard press here. I don't even work for them, folks. Cross my heart. <laughs> but they've got everything from agriculture and anthropology.